Welcome to the Live with Jay podcast, where we explore business, health, and ways to live your best life. Your host, Dr. Jason Fan, is the founder of Live Natural Health, located in downtown San Diego in the heart of Little Italy. This podcast is brought to you by Dinotropin, shown to improve sleep, lean muscle mass, weight loss, recovery, mood, and brain function. Nutrafol, start and keep growing stronger, fuller, healthier hair. Herb and Wood, located in Little Italy on the corner of Kettner and Ivy, a sprawling upscale locale serving rustic wood-fired dishes and old-school cocktails. F45, a gym that focuses on whole-body workouts with an emphasis on weight-bearing exercise and functional movements. Check out their new location in East Hillcrest for an optimum exercise experience. Welcome to the Live with Jay podcast. We're here with Maria from Pure Cycling Studio, downtown Little Italy, and she focuses on health and wellness and motivating and inspiring people to take charge of their health and get into the right mindset to actually push forward with health. And we'll dig a little bit more into her mission statement and vision and why she created her business. But welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So tell us a little bit about you and how you began and started Pure Cycling. So I'm originally from New York. I moved out to the West Coast like five or six years ago. I was working in online marketing, digital media for a startup company that I worked for in New York. When I moved to LA, I continued my like cycling just like as an avid rider. And then I moved to San Diego and I moved to downtown and there was not a single cycling studio within like a 10 minute walk, a 20 minute, like I had to drive 25 minutes basically to take a spin class when I first moved here and that was four years ago. Where'd you go? Um, I used to go to Spark Cycle in La Jolla. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And that was their first location which is like in the village. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you could go to like a big box gym, you could go to like 24 hour, like fit. Those were really like the main options if you wanted to take specifically spin classes. Yeah. And so living downtown and being a New Yorker, I'm like, I don't want to get in my car and drive somewhere. <laughs> like I, I want to walk able, somewhere. Yeah, I want to be able to walk everywhere. Like I love the mentality of like being able to like live, work and then work out, play like everything within a walking distance. It's like why I love downtown. So I kind of started doing research on the spin industry and from a business standpoint to see where it was going and also to find out like why there weren't any in downtown San Diego, which to me seemed odd because San Diego is so, so, such a health conscious city yep. um, and so many people here care about their health and I think it's a big reason why people move here as well. And so when I just started kind of doing uh, more research in the industry, I realized that like it was a booming industry and it was growing and that was like right before Cycle Bar started doing the whole franchise thing, which hadn't been done before really. Gotcha. Um, so there was a lot of growth potential for from a business standpoint, from an industry standpoint. And health and fitness is just booming in general. Um, One of the biggest freaking upcoming yeah. areas right now for it's sure. It's like everywhere and everyone's more health conscious because we all want to live longer and we all want to look better too. But I think not just looking better, but I think just like feeling better too. Look good, feel good. Yes, exactly. Like the whole picture. So yeah, so I just like was doing research and then I finally was like at a point at the startup company where I'd been there for like four or five years and I was like, do I make a jump? Do I go somewhere else? I like almost went and moved to San Francisco and was going to go work for Facebook. And like, and so there was like a lot of things up in the air. Woo. And uh, my boyfriend is here in San Diego and his company's based here. So it was kind of like, do we continue to do long, long distance or do I just like say like, okay, I'm going to like leave my startup job and just like focus on this thing and try to like make it happen. And so then I was just like, it's either now or never. Like, I'm not even 30 yet. Like, if I'm going to do something, like, this is the time to do it. I There's nothing 30. to lose. Let's yeah, do I'm it. Yeah, I'm like, I am 30 now. But at the time, I wasn't. So I was like, it's either now or never. So I kind of just took a plunge and I left the company I was at. I mean, this is over the span of, like, six months. Like, it was like a slow out process. And what was that, that? what was that pivotal point of, hey, I got San Francisco, Facebook opportunity. It might be a stable job. And then starting your own business. Like, I know your boyfriend was here and... What was that moment? It was a lot of thinking about what my job had been up to that point and realizing that if I went to the uh, took the other opportunity, which was, yes, obviously way more stable, less work like on my end, but it was going to be more of the same, just at a different company, right? And yep. like from the other side of it. So I was on the... the um, the agency side of it and if I was going to go to Facebook I was going to be on the other side of it actually like working for the platform 
So it was more of just like, did I want more of the same or did I want to potentially take a new track, which could totally blow up in my face and fail. But I was at the point where I was like, it's either I try this now or I like continue down this trajectory and stay in that trajectory. It was a risk um, you were willing to take. Yeah. Like I felt like it was a worthwhile risk because of all the research that I had done and realized like there was potential. So if I worked really, really hard at it, then there could be growth potential there. Cool. Um, I also don't like being told what to do necessarily. Like I'm a very like self-starter kind of person and I was really excited to like start something for myself and like do it kind of how I wanted to do it. So that was a big part of it too. <laughs> That's the first thing you need as an entrepreneur, like the internal drive and motivation to really stick out and like do take that risk and do what you want to do and yeah. like be your own boss. So how is it being your own boss and starting this company you're down here in san diego you did all your research um you took the leap of faith and then tell us about the starting up process of building pure cycle so there's just a lot that people i don't think realize happens before you even open your doors like there's just number one the amount of research you have to do beforehand right especially for me i was an avid cycler like indoor cycling i was a spin fanatic i went to like every studio imaginable but I wasn't an instructor. So number one, like how do you become an instructor? Yep. Like how do you hire instructors? How do you put up together an audition? Like what kind of bikes do you get? Like all these other things that you don't think about and that you don't realize until you're there and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, so I have to figure out what kind of sound system do I want? Do I want speakers in the front, speakers in the back? Do I want them hidden? Like do you want them out? So I kind of just literally started going to every cycling studio, like anywhere I could go taking classes, taking a lot of notes. Um, I like would email owners of like boutique studios that I, you know, came across and just ask them questions. Um, I came across a podcast actually that I was listening to and they were talking about the spin industry um, and how Intercycling was growing and they mentioned someone in the podcast. And so I researched her and she was a boutique fitness consultant. So she hmm. helped people who wanted to open boutique fitnesses kind of like figure out areas where they were lacking that she could kind of come in and help them out or introduce them to people. It's a business coach, but very a niche business niche, coach. Totally. And I didn't even know this was like a thing. I didn't know this woman existed until I heard her name and then researched her and turned out she was like the one person in the world who was doing this. There's always, like, there's always, there's always person. one person. There's always that person. Yeah. So I reached out to her and I was like, you know, this is my concept. I've been doing like eight months worth of research. Like this is where I want to be. This is the kind of location I want. I haven't found one yet, but I'm in the process, blah, blah, blah. And so I reached out to her and, um, we had like a two hour phone conversation the first time we talked wow. and like it just like was an instant connection like an instant click and like she was like i totally get where you're coming from from your business standpoint you're like branding so she was like i'd love to work with you and like help you through the process so um cool. so it's basically like a person to have that had expertise that i did that i could a learn from b bounce ideas off of and then see just like all the vendor connections were a huge thing because that's a thing that saves you a lot of money if you're a startup if you're building a new business is like being able to have someone who has the ins with certain vendors that can give you discounts, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of things you have to figure out and do. Luckily, I'm a very list-oriented person, so my Excel spreadsheet was like put to the test during that point. <laughs> Woo! I think you put a lot there. I think, you know, having that mentor, but having the previous research led you to a point of, hey, I can really start this thing and getting the right contacts and running those financials to actually make this thing tangible and actually doable yeah let's go from the business coach to the idea to actually what caused the execution like signing your lease to yeah. getting all the bikes getting all the you know the trainers and the music and the the right branding like yeah let's go into that so um i kind of started with the branding actually and figuring out like what it, what was my studio going to be what was it going to say right because there's obviously other spin studios in the world in san diego so i had to figure out like how do i differentiate my studio from all the others and then also just not even within spin and boutique spin studios how do i differentiate between you being able to pay a membership at fit or at 24 hour right like because you could take a, you could take a spin class and it's part of your membership so what's my added value to being a boutique fitness studio that's going to get the person who maybe goes a 24-hour spin class or a fit spin class and comes to us so it was more about figuring out like what were we going to add what were we going to provide to our target consumer and then build everything around that so i really started with i am 35 and I work downtown and I live downtown and I like the idea of maybe I live in Little Italy and I work in Gaslamp or yep. I work in like the core Columbia district and so I can like walk to work or it's like a five minute drive 
and then before work or maybe at lunch or right after I want to be able to get my workout in in a place where it's efficient in terms of like I can come in I can like check myself in I don't have to like wait in the line my shoes are already waiting for me because they know my shoe size ahead of time and it's just like super easy the towels are waiting for you the shoes are there there's a water station and everything's super easy I don't even have to bring a wallet or anything because my card's already on file so if I want a water I want a juice I just like grab it put it on my account and you're good to go so like that whole mentality and I think it's because I'm from New York and I'm just very like I want to really let's go let's go quick I don't want to waste time um so being able to kind of just get in get your workout in you have 45 minutes and then get out right away or like maybe if it's at lunch you have like an extra 50 minutes to shower grab something after so I think it was a lot about thinking of it from the perspective of the consumer and really figuring out what does my consumer want how do I build literally like even like within the construction project or talking to the architect I was like I'm in the mindset of I'm that 35 year old let's call her a woman and I'm coming from work and I have exactly one hour to get my workout in because maybe I have an event or I'm at lunch or whatever. Yep. So I want to come in, check in for my class, get a great workout in, shower, and go on to my next thing without feeling like it was a hassle, right? And so that easeability, it went down to even like the way we built out the studio with having Smart. two entrances, one from inside the building. So if you're working in the build- large building that we're in, you don't even have to walk outside, which I know sounds trivial, but like if you're thinking about your time, that easeability of being able to come in from your out, come down from the elevator, walk through an walk inside straight into door, your studio. you're walk right into the studio. You don't have to walk outside the building and then come in through the main studio door. Yep. And then building that pathway of like check in really easily. We've got a scanner, there's an iPad, or you can like check in with the person and then you just grab your shoes and you head on in. Like it's just very like easy and efficient um, while still feeling like this place is like my place. It's like a sense of community a little bit in there too. I think you brought a little New Yorker into it where it's just like, <laughs> hey, timing and just convenience and easeability of how that experience, like you built that experience yeah. from a consumer level. Yeah. I think That's that awesome. was my biggest thing too in going to so many studios, not just within San Diego, but everywhere. They, everyone really focused on what was going on inside the room, which is obviously like your biggest thing. So yes, that's a big focus. But I think a lot of people forget to think about the overall experience. And I think coming from a mind of like a marketer, being able to walk into a space and immediately get a sense of what this brand is like and being able to immediately understand like, oh, they thought about me. When I walk through the door, it's like it all follows a super easy flow and this super easy process that is more subconscious to the consumer. But for us, it was very well thought out and laid out in terms Smart. of like from our architecture, our structure, like everything. I was like, this is this needs to flow because what tends to happen in a lot of boutique fitness studios is there's so much bottlenecking right at the front because you yep. have to go to the desk to check in with a person and then the pathway they build for you to go check in with that person is very small. So yep. you don't have a lot of room. With ours, it's like you can go check in with a person, you can ask a question, or you've got three other methods of self-check-in, which for me is a big deal because if you're coming from work and you haven't changed yet and you're running late, you need to be able to just check in. Grab and in, go grab and go. Exactly. Very cool. I think that experience is everything within a business and you've laid that out super well let's shoot back to the vision the mission the why because every time i think of cycling i'm always thinking soul cycle yeah. right just soul cycle built this massive brand obviously a, a bunch of funding and like moved pretty well but they're an established brand within cycling what was your mission what was your why like how did you differentiate that so I come from like Soul Cycle. That's where I start. Like that's where I took my first ever class, and the instructor made me cry during the, like one song, and I was literally hooked for life. And I always say that I'm like, if you make someone cry as an instructor, you will own them for life. So true. So true. So that instructor got to their emotional heart. Yeah, like you know? I'm like that instructor owns me forever. So I was an avid Soul Cycle cycler, being from New York, and then moving to LA. Like they were there, so it was really easy and it was a great place to go. My biggest gripe with the majority of cycling studios that I ever visited was how I felt when I walked into the space. Like it wasn't, and it wasn't that people weren't nice. It just, there was a certain air of non-welcoming a little bit. And I think spin studios in general get that in terms of as kind of like a a cult. It is like a a cult. cult. And it's like, oh, I'm not part of the group. You know what I mean? That sort of mentality. I think people think that a lot. And we get that a lot from first timers. They're like nervous, you know, like I'm not that fit. I've never done this before. And I think coming as a person who doesn't consider herself to be a fitness person. Like I still don't think of myself as like a fitness person. Um, I understand that a lot because I was that person initially. And so for me, I think the mission and the vision of it all was to make it that 
yes, this is an amazing workout. Yes, our trainers are going to kick your butt and like it's going to be fierce. But at the same time, it feels welcoming and it feels like a sense of place. And like you walk into it and it's like refreshing to feel welcomed, which I think a lot of times there's an air of like we're here and you're here kind of gotcha. like we're because we're so fit and like maybe you're not or whatever or like you're not part of the group and we are and so that I wanted to break that a little bit because that doesn't feel nice to like walk into a space and feel like you don't belong how did you do that just it was it through training with your staff is it the environment like I think it's what? a little bit of everything so a number one the way the space is built out our space is super bright the way that like entryway is it's like very welcoming very laid out um there's like a space for you to sit and kind of hang out with like more like low seating couches there's like high top table tables so if you grab a juice or you've got a couple emails to get done you kind of have like a sense of like a hangout space it's right like a co-work space yes, and co-hangout feels space like you're like in a co-working space right at the beginning and then the way the desk was built so i had noticed that a lot of studios build their desk high up like when you walk in so you're below the height of the desk oh you even thought about and that like subconsciously to me it always felt like they were up and i was below right because gotcha. when you walk in their front desk is higher for some reason and i get it they were like trying to hide the hide their stuff yeah. and like all this other stuff but i thought like why don't you just make the desk so that it's like a counter and so when you go up to the counter, almost like you're at like a cafe or whatever, yep. the person is at the same level as you. And even just that little bit of change, I feel like makes a big difference subconsciously to the consumer to just be like, oh, hey, like, how are you? You're like immediately on the same level as yeah, them. Yeah. So I think, and then the other part of it too is training. So we do a lot of training with our staff, with our instructors about the sense of community, the sense of like feeling welcomed and making other people feel welcome because this is a place that people should feel welcome. They shouldn't be nervous to come here, right? Like. Yes, yeah, so should be nervous maybe because they're trying out something new, but yeah. not because they feel like they're not going to be able to accomplish it or that we're not going to be friendly and welcoming and kind of show them the ropes a little bit. I feel like it's a lot of our staff understanding that like you want people to be part of this group. Like you want them to join the club. So like make them feel like they can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. It's just you wanted a sense of community. You wanted a sense of, hey, my cycling studio stands for community based and you know, accessibility, easeability of the service yeah. and not so like daunting of, I walked into a soul cycle, I'm like, oh. It's scary. A lot of the times you're like, and everyone I'm knows a, what they're doing and you're like, ass. yeah, and you're like, like, I don't know what I'm these doing. These shoes are weird. <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, how do I put these things on? Yeah. Like, what do I clip them in? They're like, dude, Jay, you need water. I'm like, I need water for this? <laughs> Even everybody in a cycling studio is very like, they know their, they know yeah. their jam, you yeah. know? And I'm like, is this first five seconds I'm, I'm fit i work out mountain climbers for five minutes i, dude, I was dead <laughs> i'm like dude that's like turn it up right and i'm like all right i'm in it they're like okay turn it back down and then we're actually gonna get into it now i'm like what do you mean my, like, leg, my legs are jello <laughs> my legs are jello like what do you mean it never came back it was a scarring experience um i do have to check out pure cycling so i'll bring the whole team in yeah you have to you guys have to come and take a class i think that'd yeah. be so fun it's also better when you bring friends in yeah. my opinion like it just makes it easier because then you have like things to joke about after and they kicked all, your ass. Yeah, like oh my god, did you remember when you were trying to tap the back? Did, did you, you know throw I mean? up off the bike, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> so good, very cool. I think it's a great concept to be like, okay, what's my studio looking like versus a Spark Cycle that you came down here in San Diego? I think the next question I'm going to ask is like, how did you pick your location? Did you think about like the parking? Did you think about the accessibility of it, the demographic? And then like who's your competition in like San downtown San Diego? So picking the market I think was the hardest part. So obviously San Diego is quite spread out. There's a lot of people. Um, when I moved to downtown, I obviously for selfish reasons wanted to open a downtown studio because I wanted to be able to walk to a studio myself. So that was part of it. So I knew I wanted to be downtown um, and then I, had known the demographics of people who live downtown, the sociographics, like what do people look like with when they live downtown or people who work downtown? Because there's also a lot of people who work downtown maybe don't live downtown. Sure. So there's a lot of difference between you working here and then maybe you live somewhere else because maybe you can't afford rent prices downtown, et cetera. Um, so there's like, you know, a lot of details surrounded within that that I had to do research on. Um, finding a location is also like neighborhood specific. So San Diego, because you've got, even within downtown, you've got like Gas Lamp, East Village, Little Italy, um, North Park, like Hillcrest, mm -hmm. which I kind of think of still as part of downtown a little bit. Um, so I kind of started figuring out like which neighborhood do I want? I live in Little Italy, so I understand the neighborhood very well. And I know the people who live here. I know like 
the other businesses that are in the area. Um, so I actually focused, like broke it down between like Little Italy area and East Village because mm -hmm. East Village and Little Italy are very different. East Village I consider to be like younger, um, a lot more new developments at the time. 100%. This is three years ago now at the time, like more new developments in terms of like buildings, retail spaces, that sort of thing. Um, Little Italy I consider to be more a more established neighborhood. There's a lot of older people, you know, past like 45, that sort of age group. Um, and it does have a little bit of a more established just like vibe because it's been here for longer. Um, East Village kind of reminded me of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is where I'm yep, from. So yep. I kind of was like, oh, it'd be so cool to kind of like, hip. yeah, it's like kind of like hit five. Um, and, but when I started looking at the differences in cost between East Village and Little Italy, East Village prices for retail spaces were actually higher than Little Italy, even though all of the buildings, some of them hadn't even been like finished yet. So I was looking at, you know, just complete shell spaces that hadn't been finished yet within buildings that weren't finished yet. Um, and so it was a lot of like, oh, this block or this neighborhood is going to be booming in like two years. I'm like, okay, but if you're like building up now, you've got to wait two years for your neighborhood to be established. Like, yes, it's cool to be in a part of the development of a neighborhood. For sure. But I feel like that's more maybe if you're already an established brand. As a new brand, I feel like it's really hard to A, be a new brand, and then B, be a new brand in a new neighborhood that you have to like be part of the development of. For sure. So that's like two different things going on at the same time. So right. I kind of, after looking at multiple spaces, I want to say I looked at like 25 different like retail spaces in those two neighborhoods. I settled on Little Italy and specifically the building we were in, we are in because it's a high rise office building. And if you go like two blocks left of the building, it's all office buildings. We have a courthouse directly across the street from us. There's a hotel, two hotels actually within a one block radius. Um, and there's about 17 other office buildings within a two block radius of us. Yeah, and then, so much going on down So there. much going on. And then if you walk two blocks to the right of where we are, it's all residential. So you have multiple high-rise buildings you have like all of india street with all the restaurants and all that going on so it's kind of like a really good cross-section between getting people who are working and then getting people who live there so a lot of studios might not offer like midday classes like at lunch because they don't have people who are like working who would be able to take those classes but because we're in an office building our lunch classes are super busy super and we shower, busy. so people come in all the time and then on the weekends, we're also busy because people live in the neighborhood that we're in. So I think it's a really good cross-section between live and work and then being able to service both audiences of people um, throughout the day and then also seven days a week because that also like differentiates us too. Smart. You distinguishing specific areas where, hey, one's a little bit more established, might be a little bit cheaper, but high-rises are going up in Little Italy. Like yeah sign your direct lease now because yeah. I'm telling you like literally it's going to skyrocket it's going to be crazy yeah East Village is still going to take a little time yeah but Little Italy's association here in San Diego there's not a lot of homeless the streets are clean yeah like, the businesses that are super clean that was the other thing clean. in East Village when I was looking through years ago I walked into a space it was like a homeless shelter directly on the sidewalk of the building and to me leaving a spin class at, that ends at 7.30pm when it's dark out are you gonna feel comfortable walking to your car? Are you gonna feel comfortable walking home? And that's a big thing. Or like we have 5.30 a.m. classes, so you're walking into the studio, Dark. the sun hasn't even risen yet. So imagine walking around that and just being able to feel safe before you even get into the studio. That's a big part of it too. I feel scared too, yeah. I'm a male. And I'm like, like here in Little Italy, I honestly, I teach 5.30 a.m. and I have never felt unsafe walking down Indian Street to the studio a couple blocks, like it feels like totally normal. Oh, it's cold, yeah. it's brisk, yeah. there's no one in the mm -hmm. streets, there's maybe like a little trash can guy coming yeah. around. But or you see the construction people now yeah. because of all the buildings going up, but it doesn't feel unsafe to walk here in at early mornings or at night, and that's a big thing for me because I want people to be able to walk to the studio because downtown parking is crazy. And that was a big crazy. thing. I tried to find a space that had parking. Nearly impossible downtown being able to get... I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, know how I'm I did like, it, but I yeah, did it. I'm like, I don't know how you made that happen, but like, kudos <laughs> to you because I looked so hard for like the square footage we wanted, all of that, and having parking, it was nearly impossible. It's impossible. So I kind of was like, okay, as long as I tick all the other boxes, I think because we're in a high rise building where we get everybody who already works there, they don't have to worry about parking. Or you live within, you know, a five to seven block radius that you can also walk to the studio. And there is a parking lot directly across the street from us, so that kind of helps sometimes on the weekends. But Sundays it's free, so that's nice too. So people yeah. who do have to drive in from other places, 
they can park free on Sundays too. I think the next biggest thing that most people are gonna wanna talk about, everyone wants to learn marketing. Yeah. Digital marketing is huge, yeah. e-commerce is huge. You started a new brand, started a new business, took a huge risk. What are your main sources of marketing now and what have you learned through the process of being open for what, two, two years? Two years, yeah, we just hit two years. So. Tell me a little bit about that experience of like getting people in the door. So getting people in the door is a lot harder than you think it is, right? Like you're like, okay, a lot of people I think assume like you open a business and then automatically people are just Boom, people show are coming. Up. Yeah, like you're like, okay, no, there's actually a lot of work you have to do even before you open. So there's a lot of like pre-opening marketing that was done. A lot of it was digital. So getting ads on Facebook, ads on Instagram, Google, like immediately. Like we had Google ads running and we were buying keywords for fitness and spin related keywords Smart. before we even opened because we wanted to have a bank of people that we're gonna market to and people that Email are gonna Email marketing yes, exactly. The other part of it too was connecting with all the businesses within our neighborhood. So number one, the building we're in, it's a 26 story high rise building. So I became best friends with the person who runs the marketing for the company that owns the building. And so that was num my number one easy target yep. right there is everyone who works in the building should know about us. 100%. So I worked with them a lot to do like pre-opening like soft opening rides for tenants of the building which are free um and we just did like events like that before we even like did our grand opening um and then also i actually like took a whole day and i called every management office and apartment building in little italy good for you and then i walked to every single one of them i made like a little map and just like hit every single one and i dropped off flyers and i asked them to put it like in the mailboxes in the mailroom put up like posters that sort of thing and so i just became like bffs with everyone who worked either <laughs> in an office building so like every office manager for like large law firms like within our area i was just like hi my name is maria like i'm opening this studio in a month like you guys should come like free ride blah 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 like i just talked to everyone and anyone who would listen um the little italy farm market that's a big way too because a lot of like local people go there on Saturdays um, especially we were opening in the summer so that was like a great time for the market because a lot of people um, everybody's there. here everyone's here all the hotels because you get so many conventions with the convention center so many so I like reached out to the head of like the there's a person at the convention center who helps mm -hmm. like if you're a big company and you're doing it you're, your company's coming here for a convention there's a person at the convention center whose job is to tell you like, here's all the great restaurants, here's like things that like your employees can do the while concierge. they're here. Concierge type of person. So I like literally met the concierge person and I was like, hey, my name's Maria. If anyone ever asked for like fitness, et cetera, like contact I'm your girl. me. Yeah, I'm like contact I'm your girl. me. So that was one, um, all the hotels, we offer discounted rides. So if you're a San Diego resident, your first class is free. If you're not, your first class is discounted at $15. So we went to all the hotels in the area, especially like the ones by the convention center. There's two directly across, like one block radius from us. So I just went and talked to their concierge. I dropped off flyers and like, you know, the, the first class is discounted. Like anyone ever asks you for like things to work out if they don't want to go to the hotel gym, like tell them to come to us. It's They can walk to it. It's a block away. Smart. So like literally anyone who had anything to do with apartments, offices, hotels, I talked to. Just your local community. Local community was a huge part of it at the beginning yep. because we're A, a local business, small business, so that was like a big part of it. We wanted to make sure that everyone who lives here knows Knew about we're here. You. So it's like, one, you have to have the digital marketing piece to have a bigger reach, but then you also have to re remember to be like more like local, hyper-local in your marketing efforts as well. And a lot of people forget that word of mouth is still the number one way that people find out about things. Like if someone has a great experience somewhere, they're going to tell five friends and then those people try it and then they're going to tell five more friends. So I just made it a point to every event that I could get invited to every event that I could like, even if I wasn't invited, get some way in. I went. <laughs> Give me I just, in. Yeah. I'm like everyone who was doing events. I was just like, I'm gonna, can I come? Like, I'd love to like, even if I just, I'm coming as just like a visitor, I would bring flyers with me. Like I literally carried the little postcards that we have in my bag and anyone I would talk to at Whole Foods, like I went to Whole Foods and I was like, can I put flyers in your little like community you area? Are a and they're marketing like, yeah. Chick, so I you... just put them up and I would carry them around with me for like the first like three months we opened. Everyone I talked to, like you ran into me in the elevator, I was giving you a flyer. <laughs> Free ride. You coming in? Every single person. Downtown. Like, literally. My boyfriend always jokes, he's like, we'd be at dinner and I would like, you know, you'd bump into somebody and like, he's like, somehow within three minutes, you're talking to them about here. I'm like, that is what you have to do. That's what you live. Like you have to you just, ride like, or die you, with yeah, your company. Ride or die. Like you really have to. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a big part of it. I think at the beginning, I think in building a new brand, there's a lot of challenges just within that because marketing an existing brand, obviously you have all that leverage, but building a new brand is a lot of getting people to understand what your brand message is and what your brand identity is right from the beginning and being able to do that 
very efficiently and with a short amount of time and a short amount of words because you people do have such a short attention span they have to be able to tell them like what you're about within like five seconds or they're moving on to the next thing so i think that was a big part of it just from a branding standpoint being able to very clearly communicate this is who we are this is what we're about your first class is free so like literally those are the three main points we focus on hitting at the beginning and then just kind of like trying to build a real presence with doing events being a boutique fitness studio and having that extra space in the front really lends itself well for us to work with other local brands brands that people really like connect to that we have like a similar connection in terms of like what we both believe in so we did a lot of events at the beginning just to get the word out there and just to to let people know that hey we're here there's this other brand that maybe has a higher audience than us so let's partner with them and do something because then that lets us access to their audience and vice versa right so you kind of like build symbiotic relationships with other brands that are within your space and that was a big way of doing it at the beginning and we still do that today i'm a big believer in those like events that are health focused fitness focused and we partner with a lot of different brands for them because those are a lot of ways that people like digital marketing yes it's huge but i also feel like the personal touch personal connection of like a one-to-one conversation with somebody can't be huge and you're always going to be able to get your message across so much better when you are having a one-in-one personal conversation and they're going to remember it and feel more connected to the branding because sure. of it i remember like lululemon used to do that a lot at the beginning like they would host events in their stores and people started associating like Lululemon, it wasn't just like a store. It was like the connector of fitness within your community, right? Like you had a Lululemon store, you felt like your your city had made it. Like yeah, you yeah, were yeah. like, oh, this is where you go to find out like the newest classes and like the events that are coming up within the fitness industry. So you kind of, I try to position the studio and, and our brand as that. Like you want to know, like, yes, we're a spin studio, but we're also like trying to cultivate this whole like community sense around fitness and health and like making it more than just a spin class it's like everything that happens before and after too i'm gonna pivot that to a new place of health but i want to go back into digital marketing where Mm -hmm. you're like digital marketing is important yeah what are some just tips that you've learned in the last two years just from the digital marketing standpoint like where should people focus their first couple steps on i would say one is a clear messaging so like spend the money to work with a designer who understands digital and is going to be able to deliver you like clear, like up-to-date looking ads, right? Like your ads are super important in the way that they look. So A, spend a little bit of money to make sure that your ads look good. Whether you're doing video or you're doing still, like spend money on talented people who are gonna get you good looking images, right? Like your assets are important. And then number two, testing. Like, so the startup I was at, that was like all we did. Like we would run ads for like a Disney movie and like we'd have like 150 different versions of the same ad literally the change would be like instead of using the blue picture you would use the yellow picture the green picture and just testing 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 to see what got the most likes what got the most engagement and then put the majority of your budget then towards that so i would say people should focus and and kind of like follow a strategy of put money into really good content and then test out different versions of the content with a little bit of funds until you get a clear picture of like okay maybe if you're running like abc which one's doing the best with like a little bit of funding behind it from my ads perspective and then choose if it's b then put the majority of your budget or like the total remaining of your budget towards b because that's the one that in your initial testing was doing the best so i think doing that strategy of like small tests and then figuring out which is your best option and then going for that i think is a really good strategy and that also works across all digital marketing any any platform any platform you got to test out what's actually converting well to the cost per acquisition of that client or patient yeah that's like higher yield information Mm -hmm. how did you get your digital marketing team to actually understand that information like what resources do you have to actually is it your friends is it you know obviously you were in you know the digital marketing space for four or five years But like, what are some resources that people can take to kind of understand these concepts? I think a lot of it, there's a lot of information on the internet. Like people always joke, but I'm like a big believer in like, if I don't know how to do something, there's a YouTube video that's gonna show me how to do it. Or there's like a blog that's gonna show me how to do it. There's so many blogs related to digital marketing and and advertising on Facebook and Google that you can just Google like, you know, digital marketing like trends or digital marketing best practices. And you're gonna find tons of resources dedicated to like, okay, if you're running your own ads or you have a company running your ads, right? Nope. Um, what what does that mean? Like what is the information actually giving you back and how do you grow from that information or how do you learn from it? Um, I think a lot of it too that people maybe don't understand, like one of my strengths is digital marketing. So obviously like I 
took that on for my business. But if my strength was not digital marketing, I would spend the money to hire someone who has that strength. Because I think you have to, when you're an entrepreneur and when you're running your own business, you have to really understand like, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And then what are the things that I can take on and what are the things that I should be outsourcing? Because you're actually spending more time trying to do something and you're doing it badly. It might be better for you to spend money to have someone do that thing well so you can focus on things that you do well. Um, like I, at the beginning, was not an instructor. I didn't know how to train people. So that's something I outsourced. I hired a studio lead to come in and train all of our instructors and take on, that on because that's not one of my strengths. But sure. digital marketing, branding, advertising, that is one of my strengths. So that's something that I took on. But like photography, videography, like those kind of things, I'm like, that wasn't a strength of mine. So I brought on photographers and videographers that I connected with that, you know, obviously all within budget, but still you can find those people. Um, so I think it's a lot of understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to like outsource when you know you, you should because you're actually spending more time doing something than you could be just you know spending it doing something that you do well. Double down on what you're good at and like yeah. a Gary Vee thing just yeah. double down on what you're good at and just everything else. And everything is... else should be outsourced. Yeah. Like honestly like it makes more sense and initially I had like contacted PR agencies like digital marketing agencies to see like does it make sense for me to hire one? And when I looked at the numbers of like the, the amount of money I was spending on them and where's that like spend ad, and, and then I'm like, I could be spending that money on actual ads and doing it myself. Like granted, it's a lot of work, but it's also like something I understand and something I'm yep. good at. So I'm like, I'd rather take the money that I would hire someone else to manage it, manage it myself, and then just put that money towards the actual ads. But that's not a decision that obviously every person can make because people have different strengths and different weaknesses. But I think it's a lot to do of like understanding what those are, doubling down, like you said, on the things that you're good at and outsourcing everything else, honestly, like does pay off. It's a long-term decision though. Good. It's not a short term. And that's what I think some people have to think about is because when you're opening a business, there's so many costs associated with it that you're like, oh, but it's like spending that like 5K or whatever. It seems like a lot. But in the long term, the long story of your business, it makes more sense to do it that way. Thinking the macro and always just yeah. plucking away at the micro. Yeah. Very cool to kind of see the perspective from every business is the same, right? The operations and how you operate and you're the operator of it. It's interesting to kind of dig into your brain to see conceptually what you've done, where you're going, how you created it, what background you had, what risks you took to actually get to where you're at. I started Live, you know how much work it took in to get to a point where you're at? Yeah. I'm almost two years in, like you're two years in, it's like, it's kind of interesting to see someone else's like, dude, this, your wheels are spinning, you're Always. just going. Yeah, it's honestly, and I find that as time goes on, so at the beginning you have one set of challenges and then you learn stuff and then you kind of grow from it. And then like we were hitting that two year mark and it's like, you almost have a new set of challenges. I take the approach of every three months, your business needs to be somehow revamping, doing something slightly different, doing something slightly new. So I, someone told me that one time, like I, I was like, I like an entrepreneurship like workshop or something. And they were like, if you are not doing, trying something new or changing something slightly every three months, your business is going to die because you have to continually, and I forget what the word is. Innovate. Innovate, they call, there was, there was like a certain term for it. It was like every three months you need to be innovating and like doing something new. And so I really took that to heart and I tried to like consistently, whether it's like a slight refresh in the way, in the, our actual like branding, yeah. we go through these like shifts. So every three months I'm thinking like, okay, so we've been doing this, like what's the next thing going to be? So like, that's why I started our challenge, our week seven day challenge as we call it, we call it insanity week because we were at that point and I was like, okay, so people are coming, the classes are doing great, all of our instructors are great, like it's operating well, we're running smoothly, but like now we need something new. We need something fresh to like reinvigorate and it's like A, to get new people in because it's exciting and it's fun and it adds to that and then B, to keep your existing customer base like still hyped about what they're doing, yeah, right? Yeah, something people, new, something yeah, fresh. So like things get stale and people just get bored, right? Like I'm like that, I'll get bored of something if I've been doing it for too long. So just ways to kind of reinvigorate mm -hmm. and kind of continue your same branding, your same messaging, but just in a slightly new way. So we started doing challenges because it was just fun and it was like, you know, this is Insanity Week, like you get to do all like this fun stuff and there's all these like different events going on throughout the week and it's like really compact into this one week. And people got really excited about it, so we continued to do that. Now we're two years in and I we were like at the point where it was like, okay, it's time for our next challenge. And so I was like, I don't wanna do the same, right? Because we've yeah. been doing that and they've been successful, yes, but just because something's successful, don't just continue doing that. People are gonna get bored, so maybe think about the next thing. So the next thing was like, I wanna do a 21 day challenge. 
And so thinking about it in terms of like, this is all about building a new habit because it takes 21 days to build a new habit. And that's something I learned because I was trying to cut sugar out of my diet. And so that was one of the ways someone said like, start with a week, add two weeks, go on until you get to 21 days. And by 21 days, like you're gonna develop that new habit of like eating less sugar. Did it work? It totally worked. Like I now consume far less sugar than I used to before. Like there are some days when I have zero sugar in my diet. And you. it feels amazing. It's honestly like been life changing from a health perspective and just also like me as a person. I feel like it has totally changed me and I've developed a new habit now like in terms of like what I choose to eat is different because now I think about not that I don't uh, yes, I had ice cream last night like big deal, <laughs> right? Like I enjoyed it. But I think more about what I'm eating, what its contents are just from thinking about just sugar. Now I also think about other things. So it's just made me change the way I look at food. It's become a new habit for me. So that's kind of like the whole prefaces of this new type of challenge is let's not just think about it in terms of one week. Let's think about it of a longer term and something that you can actually like take beyond the bike, which is what the challenge is called. Beyond so it's bike. beyond the bike. And so it's 21 days and there's workshops along with it. Um, our first workshop is like um, a longer stretch and an abs workshop so that you can find like because not everyone stays for stretch after classes. Stretch sessions are in class are only two to three minutes anyway. You yeah. need more than that. Like your body needs more than that. So here's some additional stretches you can do at home. You can do at your office when you've got a couple minutes Smart. here and there. Um, we're doing a social media detox workshop. So like just finding like, even if it's two hours on a Sunday that you can just completely detox yourself and maybe dedicate that time to something else. So just different things like that. There's going to be a self-love workshop. You know, all sorts of different ways that you can take your workout and make it more than just about the workout you're doing there, but actually making a long-term change in your life and in your lifestyle. Great pivot to the rest of this podcast, which is gonna be more health-focused. I know you're a fitness studio, but you just touched on a lot that encompasses what I do within health and just what my community does within health. I usually explain like, all right, you work a nine to five, you work 40 hours a week, like that probably takes half of your life, you mm -hmm. know? Entrepreneur, you're probably working 80, 90 hours like a 90 week. Hours a week. <laughs> but, you know, that's your passion, that's mm -hmm. your career. What do you do as a lifestyle? You touched on a lot of it, the foods you eat, trying to take out sugar, but like what's that lifestyle really look like outside of work? Yeah, I think for me, I feel like I'm, blessed because my work is fitness right so i read somewhere that if you're an entrepreneur you only like out of three things fitness your business or your like friends and family like connections social connections like one of those three things will always like fall by the wayside right like you can only always keep two balls in the air and so i was like oh so if my business is fitness and like i kind of already automatically have one of those so it's kind of yep. nice i think for me i i started incorporating a different workout than spin because it's important to like challenge your body in different ways. So I started incorporating um, like a functional training, sort of like group training system where they've cool. got like three different workouts. There's like turf stuff, like you do kettlebells, which I've never even like lifted a kettlebell in my life. So I was like very scared. <laughs> they have like battle ropes. It's super cool. They do have a cardio portion too. Sometimes I skip where it. Where do you go? I go to Renegade Fit Camp. Renegade yeah, Fit Camp. Yeah, it's really cool. And I love the like three, I'm like, I like I'm a hamster on a wheel. I'm always going. Yeah. So I like that they shift you like you've got three sessions and each session you move like 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. So you can kind of like do your like, you know, you're at the racks, which was like super scary for me. You have like a bench and there's all these like heavy weights. <laughs> like I lifted a 25 pound dumbbell last week and I had never done that in my whole life, like 25 pounds. And I was like, Good for you. doing a bicep curl. And I was like, oh my God. Like <laughs> I granted I did like three of them, but still, so <laughs> like it's cool. Those little wins, those little accomplishments. So I, started incorporating a new workout format that I actually like enjoyed I was trying out different things and I actually enjoy it so I started incorporating that and I don't force myself to go every day like I'm like I'm gonna try to go Tuesdays and Thursdays those are my two days that I'm gonna bake in this hour to do this other workout thing because I actually like enjoy it and I feel like it's helping me so I've incorporated that the health thing with food is a big thing. A lot of us have really bad relationships with food, just from like growing up. I'm Dominican, sure. so like we eat just really bad, like salty. You got the fries, you got yeah, the salty. Yeah, like everything is just like fried plantains and like fried cheese and salami. Like, oh my God, I like die. Like I'm obsessed, <laughs> obviously. But it's just like, you know, we don't have the maybe the best relationship with food and understanding that food isn't bad, right? Like you can eat pasta, food you can have you ice cream, you need to eat. So I think just being comfortable with understanding like A, food is good and food should be associated with like happiness, not necessarily like depriving yourself of these things. And so like when I did the no sugar, like this whole new thing, 
it wasn't for me. A lot of people are like, oh, you're cutting out sugar. And for me, it was, wasn't so much about cutting out sugar. It was trying to figure out like, what is this doing to my body? And then understanding like, how am I going to feel? Like, what am I going to gain maybe? Instead of thinking of it, what I'm cutting out, maybe like, what am I gaining? And the things I gained were like, now I understand like, A, you should read the back of every label because there's so many things that you don't even realize are in there. Like everything has added sugar in it. Like ridiculous, everything does. And I did not realize until I actually had to like cut it out and then I was reading the back of things and I'm like, everything is sugar. Like everything in the world. Ketchup has added sugar. I'm like, tomatoes don't need High it. High fructose like, corn syrup everything. in yeah. ketchup. So obviously now I buy like way more organic in terms of like condiments, which before weren't really that many available, but now there's a lot of options for people. So I think it's just like making that shift. And like I said, now it's a new habit for me. Like I actually like take the time to read the back of labels. I like will research some brands that I hear about and actually understand like, oh, they do it this way. Like that makes more sense for me. Where do you find all your resources for? A lot of blogs and Instagram too, actually. Cool. So like I follow a lot of like, if you looked at my Instagram, it's like all like a fashion cause I used to work in fashion. So I'm still like a little bit obsessed, you know? Shoes, we talked yeah, about like kicks shoes, before the podcast. Sneakers, blogs that have to do with like health and fitness. There's this one, Hannah Bronfman. She's like a, she's like literally like my girl crush. She's a <laughs> DJ. She um, is like a whole health and fitness like um, guru person and she has a blog. She um, does podcasts all the time. She has like, a huge following on social media and she talks a lot about like, yes, like I wanna have ice cream. So like I'm gonna have the ice cream, but also like maybe thinking about your health and your wellness and what you're eating like holistically. From because level, I think yeah. a lot of people think about it like diet. Like I'm gonna deprive myself of this one thing and I'm always more about like, not doing that like not thinking about the things you're cutting out but thinking more about the things you're gonna gain um and i honestly think it's changed my palate a little bit like now i think everything is so sweet because i like cut out sugar so much i'm like oh my god that tastes so sweet and it's like you know there's like one gram of sugar in it or something but yeah like i still eat bread i still eat ice cream pasta like all the things i like i just maybe do it a little bit differently right like if i'm gonna eat a steak instead of having like the cheesy mac and cheese or the mashed potatoes maybe i choose a sweet potato or i choose like a veggie side right so like you can you. still go to restaurants and do all these things that you do normally it's just slightly different um in the way that you approach it yeah i think that's a great way to put it just like the little wins right yeah. depriving yourself from sugar yeah hey you know the mac and cheese and just getting the veggies the sweet potato yeah. The little micro changes makes your health more of a lifestyle yes. and less of a diet. Yes, no because when you make it a diet, it's not sustainable. And that's what I learned over so many diets trying, right? Like, it's like, it's not sustainable. And I always like tell people what, when I did the whole like no sugar thing for however, I think I did it for seven weeks when I did it the first time, I lost 25 pounds and I lost 4% of body fat just by cutting out sugar. I just continued my regular workouts and everything else the same. And it was eye-opening to me that I didn't even realize that sugar was having this effect on me that it was from a physical standpoint, but it also changed me from a mental standpoint. And I think it was like those little wins that kept me going throughout the whole time. The first three weeks were really hard. And like, I was playing like pour some sugar on me in my classes, like, cause I was just like, I want sugar. I need sugar. Yeah, like, I need I'm, ice cream I'm, and like, cookies. I'm gonna listen to music that talks about sugar. But yeah, it was like those little wins at the beginning of like, having to realize like, oh, like clothes are fitting differently now. Or like, I feel like I have more energy. Like these things are changing. And I think it's like taking the moment too to understand like those little wins are important and celebrating those. Cause I think a lot of times, especially if you're a go, go, go kind of person, you forget to take a moment and think about, oh, I just did that awesome thing. So really taking time to like, be like, I just did something awesome. I'm gonna celebrate myself for a minute. Good. And then move on to the next thing kind of thing. That's so cool. I think um, the perception switches that you took it with diet and how that incorporates into a more of a lifestyle with your fitness, changing up your workouts, changing up a little bit of your diet and making it a, a more constant lifestyle for yeah. you instead of just like, hey, I'm restricting myself. We'll end this thing on moving towards, you're a woman entrepreneur, you know, you said you're 30? I, yeah, I'm turning 31 in like a month. Very cool. So yeah. 30, have this, you know, successful thriving business in downtown Little Italy. What would you recommend say a woman entrepreneur trying to start her own thing what tips would you give yourself you know yeah three years, three years ago. ago it's actually funny I just met with somebody who's a young woman she's like 27 I think or 28 and she's opening a business here in San Diego and she's a she comes to my studio she's a writer at our studio and she had reached out she was like if you have like 15 minutes of your time I'd love to just like talk to you about like exactly what you just asked me and so I sat down with her and the main thing I told her was 
do not forget that even though you haven't ever, because she's in the same place, she's opening a holistic, like healthy pizza place. It's actually like a really cool concept. Her Instagram is a slice of life, so you should like follow a her. Slice along. of life. A slice Get of out life. there. Slice of um, life. But you should follow her along in her process. She's like, you know, in the process, like I was three years ago, of now she's already found a location. She's kind of going through all that stuff. But she just was asking me, and a lot of what she was asking me was, I don't know how to do these things. And what I, my basic advice to her was, do not doubt that you know what you're talking about when you're in a room with people, right? Like when you're in a room with construction people or you're in a room with your employees. Like maybe you haven't actually done these things in practice, but you've done months and months of research. So you actually know more than you think you know. I think that's a big thing. I think especially women in business don't ever give themselves themselves the credit for under, knowing as much as they do. For me, I actually realized that when... Um, I had our studio manager who was also our lead instructor like quit all of a sudden it was very like abrupt Ooh. and it just happened and it was like the first time I'd ever encountered this and it was like one of those make or break moments when you really have to decide like what I know is what I know and I'm I'm gonna just like go for it and I'm gonna do it and for me it was a lot of self-doubt of like oh my god I'm not like a top instructor like you know how am I gonna teach other people to you know I now I have to take on the role of studio manager and I have to take on the role of lead instructor like that's a lot plus and, the CEO. The, and I'm like running the business right so it's a lot so for me I kind of just sat down and I was like I know a lot more than I'm actually giving myself credit for and so I just was like okay like I'm gonna take over these classes I had to teach like 11 classes a week for like two months Ooh. and it was like plus on top of everything else and it was just like I just schedule myself very precisely on like okay I've got an hour to like check these ads I've got an hour to get like these email campaigns set up and like kind of like very structure myself for that span of time which is actually nice because it allowed me to like see how much time I could actually do things in like I could be more efficient than maybe I was being so it was a turning point of like me realizing I actually know way more than I think I'm giving myself credit for and I think that's the number one biggest thing that I always encounter when I meet other women in business they don't give themselves enough credit for the amount of information they actually know and the amount of power they have within their industry. It's like, yes, maybe, you know, and I was talking to a girl, like maybe she doesn't know exactly, you know, these like things about making pies or whatever, but like she could A, learn and B, like she's done all the research to understand it. So I think that that's a big thing is just give yourself more credit for the information that you know. If you've done your research, like you know a lot more than you think you do. For sure. Um, and so putting that into practice with um, your employees is a big thing. I think I'm young and being a woman, like automatically, I think people can assume that maybe you are not as demanding or as powerful or as strong. So I think I, I sometimes overplay that a little bit. Like I carry myself, and people always joke because I always say that I carry myself taller than I am because I'm short too. <laughs> so I've got like a couple barriers, right? Like, but I think I carry myself in a way that when I walk into a room, like you know that I know what I'm talking about. Even I, but it's not like. I know what I'm talking about, right? Like it's not that mentality of like bragging about it, but I do like carry myself in a way that makes you know that like if I walk into a room we're having a meeting about something or you're a vendor or you're approaching me about something, like I know my business because I've done the research and I've done the work. And so I trust myself in the knowledge that I have. And when I don't know something, I totally am like, actually I don't know that, but like tell me all about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's being able to have that confidence and have that understanding of like, you know more than you think you know. And so use that to your advantage. I think that what brought up for me the whole time that you're, you know, getting into the, the confidence piece is the fear. How did you break the fear of starting your own business, investing your money, your time, and your efforts into this, you know, slice of life? She's starting a business. She has a lot of fear. I'm fearful of, you know, failing. I'm fear like, that's one of the biggest fears. How did you overcome fear? I feel like fear doesn't ever leave you. And this is something I've learned. Fear doesn't leave you, right? Like everyone's like, I have no fear. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's honest. So I don't ever say that I have no fear. I just say that I believe that what's on the other side of it is worth the risk and is more mm -hmm. important than the actual fear itself. Granted, sometimes like something is just so scary, but at the same time, like I'm a big believer in like that fear is still there. It's just that I see what's on the other side of it and I believe in it so much that I'm willing to just kind of like push the fear aside a little bit to focus on that. And I think that's a big driver for me. Like I the wholeheartedly believe that if I wasn't afraid, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Smart. Fear is a motivator. And I think for some people, 
fear can be crippling, but I don't see it as crippling. I see it as a thing to motivate me. Like if I get feedback about a class or feedback about something we're doing at the studio and it wasn't the greatest feedback, like that's a big fear, right? Like to do something and for people to be like, I didn't like that. So how can I learn from that? How like, can I grow from it versus being like, oh my God, that like totally sucked and just kind of like going into this little bubble in this little shell of like, I totally failed. Yeah. I approach it as I failed, but what can I learn from, right? So you're doing a constant perception switch. Yes. You're like from a negative, I'm turning it to a positive. And negative, how do you positive, learn negative, from positive. it? And like sometimes, yes, there aren't things you can learn from, but I think always there's something you can take away from it that helps you move on to the next thing. And it's just like, Fear is always going to be there. It's like a part of life. So why not use it to motivate you and use it to your advantage? Like make it something that helps you become better, get stronger, do that thing faster, right? Versus letting it cripple you. Um, And granted, there are days where I'm like, damn it. Like I totally messed up all those ads or like those didn't like perform as well as I wanted them to. And it's always like, yes, you want to think about it and like let yourself be in that moment a little bit. But then shift your focus and think about like, okay, so what can I learn from that? Like, how can I make it better the next time? Because just because something failed once doesn't mean that you can't tweak it and try it again. You learn from your failures, right? Yes, I think you actually learn more from your failures than you learn from your successes. I also am the kind of person who doesn't take the time to be like, that was a win, like success, right? I'm working on that, it's one of my things. But I think I learn more and enjoy more learning from the failure because I think about it more. The successes, I'm kind of like, yeah, that was great. Okay, on to the next thing. But I think the failures makes me really focus and think about what happened and like dissect it and really like break it down in terms of like, okay, yes, I see how I could have done that better or like how could I change those two things to make that have been a better outcome. So I think fear, don't think of it as crippling and don't think of it as like I have to get over the fear. Push the fear aside and then focus on the thing in front of you. Focus on the thing in front yeah. of you. What's next for Pure Cycle? Where can people find you? How can people follow you? And yeah, what are you up to next? So um, next is, well, we're in the the beginning of that challenge I talked about, Beyond the Bike. So it's the first time we're doing a 21-day challenge. So, you know, kind of like a lot of learnings, a lot of things going on with that. We're like hosting these workshops, which we haven't done before. So just a lot of learning in terms of that. Thinking about our next like potential new class type and thinking about our next potential like new location, because that's obviously like a thing if you want to grow you know, different markets within the area, that sort of thing. So I think that that's what's next on the horizon for me and for the studio. Um, people can see us in Little Italy. We're on Columbia between A and B Street. So come take a class. Your first class is free if you live in San Diego. Woo! And if you don't and you're listening to this podcast now within San Diego, it's only $15 if you're a drop-in out of town. You can follow us on Instagram, Pure Studio SD, Facebook, Pure Studio SD. And we are super active on our social media. So just yeah, DM you. Put yeah. you on the DM. Yeah, DM. I'm all about it. I'm always like responding to people. <laughs> <laughs> you are a brand advocate for yourself and your brand. I think you've done super well. You're super talented in what you do and you just exude passion. I think that's a big thing. You have to have passion, right? Like if you're going to start a business and you like, this is my entire life, you have to believe. In you went door to door. Yeah. Like I went door to door, but I think it's, it's just one of those things where you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to have passion to believe in what you're doing because the work is hard, right? Like I've never worked so hard in my entire life. And I used to work like 90 hour work weeks at my startup. Like I had clients, like I Disney was my big client, Toyota. Like these are huge brands that demand a lot from you. And I did a lot of work for them, but I'm still working harder now than I was before. And the cool thing is that this is something that I've done and that I've developed and like grown. So it makes me even more passionate to continue to work, right? It makes you more powerful. Yes. You're learning tangible skills within business and life and health and everything in life to actually succeed and actually fulfill your soul. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah, no, truly. It's honestly, it's very like, yeah, hashtag blessed. (laughs) (laughs) Follow Maria. Go take a class. Me and Sean will be posting this on all of our platforms. We'll tell you guys when the live team is going to go to Pure Cycle and dominate and crush that workout. You guys are going to be front row. I'm going to be sweating bullets over there. (laughs) Put me in the back, back corner. No, I feel like you guys are, so here's the thing, when you take a spin class, okay, maybe second row if you're like super nervous, but go front row because, so I'm short, so I started riding front row because I didn't want someone in front of me and it made me work harder because it's like people can see you, right? Not that everyone's like looking at you when you're in your spin class, they're looking at themselves in the mirror, but 
you're more visible. So maybe you're gonna work a little harder. Like maybe you're not gonna take the break and you're gonna push a little harder. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Let's do some more partnerships. I know yeah. we're we're sponsoring a couple gift cards and mm -hmm. a couple um, free IVs and free B12 shots. Yeah. And we might be doing another booth at your studio pretty yeah. soon here. Get your health on, get your cycle yeah. on, and get living. Cool. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Of course. Thanks. Thanks for joining the Live with Jay podcast. For more information about Live Natural Health, visit our website at livenatural.com or stop by our clinic located in Little Italy, San Diego, for a complimentary consultation. Remember, the best way to prepare for life is to begin to live.